Many people can sense that they are approaching burnout in their career. It's easy to feel stuck if you depend on your job to provide for your lifestyle. Unfortunately, not all of us have the privilege of quitting our unfulfilling jobs. If this sounds like your inner narrative around work, we have a matrix mentor that can help us reclaim our power in the workspace. Today, Dr. Holly and I will discuss strategies for managing workplace burnout without quitting your job. Dr. Holly is a clinical pharmacist with more than a decade of experience helping patients and colleagues manage their chronic stress symptoms and ultimately recover from burnout. She is an experienced and compassionate guide for those on a recovery journey, having experienced and overcome burnout herself. Holly's superpower is helping people cut through the noise to get to the heart of the problem. Because she knows there's no one-size-fit-all cure for burnout, she advocates for honest self-reflection and discovery as a key to reclaiming one's pre-burnout self. Follow our show and bookmark our podcast so you don't miss out on our fantastic Matrix mentors. It's a pleasure to meet you, Holly. Can you tell us about your mission and your purpose? Hey, thanks for having me on the show. Um, my mission, I explain it as I guide people from burnout to baseline and beyond one quest at a time. Uh, it's because it's really about uh, empowering people to up-level their own lives. Um, so if you're burned out, it's about providing the tools and the strategies that you need to get out of that hole and back to your personal baseline. And then if you're not burned out, it's about taking those next steps to meet your personal goals or your professional goals going forward. I love the work that you're doing. What exactly is burnout and how is it different from regular stress? Okay, um, let's talk about regular stress first. Uh, regular stress is your body's um, reaction to anything that it perceives is going to need a rapid physical response. So think of it as you're driving along and then all of a sudden you have to rev your car engine to kind of swerve out of the way of some kind of danger. So there's a mechanism that your body has to rev your engine and then you would back off that gas and that's regular stress. If you take that analogy and you look at burnout, it's the equivalent of taking your car, putting it up on blocks in your driveway and revving your engine for months at a time without stopping. And so you're burning through all your fuel and then you're actually damaging your body parts. And that's the difference really between regular stress and burnout. What is your personal history with burnout? Um, well... My burnout, um, <laughs> when I first graduated from pharmacy school, I really was not thinking burnout. I was thinking, get a job and pay my student loans. And so I was deep into burnout before I even realized that that's where I was. And it had to do with uh, my toxic workplace. It was it was pretty bad. And to the point that at one point I found myself sitting in a Walmart parking lot just sobbing and sobbing and sobbing. And at that point, somebody that a complete stranger, it was actually a Walmart worker, uh, knocked on my window, scared the crap out of me, by the way. And um, she asked me if I was okay. And 
at that time, I was like, no, I'm not okay. And I didn't have like even the dignity to just say, no, I'm fine. You know, I just said, no, I'm not okay. And she looked at me for just a moment. She took a moment and looked at me and she gave this little nod and said, but you will be. And to me, that was so powerful the way she said it, that I found myself just kind of nodding my head and saying, you know what? Yeah, I will be okay. And, you know, she went on her way, not realizing that she had just, <laughs> you know, made this huge different in my, difference in my life. But for me, that was the turning point because I realized, okay, yeah, I will be okay. And so now I just have to figure out how. Oh, that's so powerful. It's it's so beautiful how far kindness can go. Exactly. And you never know the impact that you're going to have on somebody else. Even the smallest thing to you may be huge for somebody else. How did you start helping others recover from burnout? When I started recovering from my own burnout, there really weren't burnout coaches or burnout recovery programs or any of that. And so for me, I had to rely on my clinical pharmacist training where we go in and you dig through all the data and you look at all the studies and you figure out um, what's working and what's not working and what does the science say behind it. And I took little bits and pieces from all the different um, things that I looked at. I looked at recovery programs for addiction and I looked at mental health programs and I looked at all kinds of like spiritual programs and took little bits and pieces. And once I came across the concept that you cannot recover until you determine what you're recovering from, once that popped in, I was like, okay, that makes sense to me. If I can figure out what it is that's actually getting to me, you know, not just, oh my God, it's my job, but what specifically in that job, what are those little friction points that are creating enough heat that are causing this burnout, then I have some kind of a plan to move forward. You can address those friction points. And so, flash forward to 2020 when all of my uh, hospital co-workers and I were basically living in the hospital because of COVID and nobody wanted to take it home to their families. So we're all there. We're all burned out because we can't get away from it. And honestly, anybody who's like got a caregiver job or has burnout from working in their own home understands that concept of I can't get away from it I can't get a break um, and so we were all in this mess and one of my co-workers came to me and said all right Holly you're a pharmacist to recommend something for me that will let me get some sleep but that's not going to leave me so groggy that I won't be able to get up and help somebody in the emergency room if an emergency comes in and, you know, being a pharmacist, we ask questions. It's part of our job. So why aren't you sleeping? And what else is going on with you? And as we started talking, what we realized was that he wasn't sleeping because he was so burned out. He couldn't rest. His brain wouldn't rest. It just kept running and running and running. And so we started talking about what are the pieces of his life that were working and how do we use those as a support for the pieces in your life that aren't 
working? Where are those friction points? And we went through and we mapped out the friction points and the support that we could put in place to resolve those friction points, or if not resolve them, at least reduce them to tolerable levels. And we pretty much spent his entire break mapping out this roadway forward for him. And once he had that, then he was able to, you know, kind of manage that stress level and bring all of that down to the point that he was able to move forward. And the funny thing was the next day, two more people came and said, you know, Eric said you did this for him. (laughs) Do it for us. And so I did. And then the next day, a couple more and the next day, a couple more. And for my group, at least, that's pretty much how we got through the worst of COVID was just kind of holding hands and sticking together and mapping our pathway forward. That's so beautiful. So this, uh, this coaching career for you really just found you. So did did you make a transition from being a pharmacist to being a coach full time? Or is it something that you do in tandem? I am still a clinical pharmacist. I work every other week at my local hospital. And then um, on my off week, I am helping other people uh, with their burnout uh, journey as well. I have a friend of mine. Uh, She's been struggling at her job. But she's faced with the situation where she can't afford her lifestyle unless she has that job. And it's almost impossible to find another job that pays as much because it's a security position in the city. Um, what would you, she, she comes home upset crying all the time. I, as a friend, I have no idea how to support her. How can we be good friends to people going through burnout like that? Or what kind of advice can you give our listeners that might be experiencing the same thing? Well, let me walk you through the five-step process. Uh, The first thing is you've got to discover where those friction points are. Fortunately, there are a lot of tools online that you can use. Um, Some of them cost money, some of them don't. There are some good ones that are free, and that's important because your budget should never get in the way of your mental health ever, ever. So there are the tools online, thank goodness, to help you define where those friction points are. Once you know what your friction points are, then you have to make a decision. Is it worth the effort that it's going to take for me to reduce those friction points to tolerable levels or is it worth on the flip side putting in the effort to find another job which can be just as stressful or less depending on the type of job and what your salary is so you've got to make that decision so define or decide what you're going to do then you define your goal so if your goal is to find another job set your goals and it needs to be an actionable goal okay so if I want to stick with my job then I want to work on one friction point at a time get one change one win under your belt which creates momentum for the next win and the next win and you set those goals so what's your goal if your issue is that you have a boss that abuses you chances are that's not fixable for you unless there's enough of you that can go to HR and get that resolved on the other hand if your goal is to get work that is more meaningful to you 
then you've got a negotiation piece that you've got there. You can take a look at what is meaningful, what is challenging, what's not too challenging, and then set your goals and work those goals. So, um, and then after that, that fifth one is debriefing or basically going back and checking in and saying, okay, is this friction point, whatever it was, resolved or at least reduced enough that I can tolerate it? Or do I need to go through that decide process once again? Thank you so much. That really clears things up. What are the core values that base, that you base your practice on? You know, I'm actually really glad you asked because not everybody does. And it is literally the basis for every decision that my team makes and every service that we provide. And they are compassion. We actively work to see every person that enters our sphere, just like our Walmart gal did for me. That's what I actively do for the people around me is I see them and do what I can do to make a difference. Compassion. Second one is progress. We are all about continual improvement. So we're always looking at our processes, our services, and what can we do to do more or do better and then to support our people, because ultimately our clients come to us to get progress, to move forward. Um, the third one is autonomy. We're really big on personal agency. I don't believe you can drag anybody kicking and screaming into health. You've got to do it on your own. We will guide. We will support. We will entice. That was the whole point of putting our process through the game process was to entice people to play. Um, but you can't drag people kicking and screaming. So autonomy is big for us. Um, integrity. We do what's right. And we always do what's right. Because if you don't have an unwavering moral compass, how can people trust you? And then lastly, respect. We believe that all persons, without regard to gender or choice of lifestyle or race or any of that, all persons are worthy and all persons deserve to be treated with dignity. So everything we do is based on those five values. I love those values. And it, it definitely builds a safety around asking help for mental health. And I love that you're a leader showing that kind of strength um, because it's really hard when you're looking for a therapist that's like with your insurance. You don't know who they are. You don't know their practice. You don't know their values. So I love that you have a personal connection with your clients. Yeah. How can critical elements of burnout help someone determine if they're experiencing burnout? Well, there are three key elements to uh, burnout, at least a classic burnout, and they go like this. The first is exhaustion. Going back to that engine analogy, you've run through your fuel. You just have no reserves left. And it's a huge red flag if you find yourself dragging yourself through your day. If you haven't heard about Anchor by Spotify, it's the easiest way to make a podcast with everything you need all in one place. Let me explain. Anchor has tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. 
When hosting on Anchor, you can distribute your podcast on listening platforms like Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and more. It's everything you need to make a podcast all in one place. And best of all, Anchor is totally free. So download the Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. It's not about, yeah, I missed a couple days of sleep because, you know, things were going on and I just couldn't get to sleep. It's about a bone deep weariness that could be mental or uh, emotional or spiritual. It doesn't have to be physical. But if you are dragging yourself through your day, that's a pretty big red flag that you're either burned out or really on the edge of it. Uh, The second thing that we see as a key element of burnout is um, the sense that you're not making any difference. You're not able to succeed that you personally have no personal effectiveness and it becomes almost a sense of powerlessness at that point and that tends to lead to the third key element and what I've seen is this this third one tends to be a protective mechanism for people because you're so exhausted and you feel like you're not making any progress and so that's when people really disengage and that's that third one is that they're either really disengaged or they start getting really cynical about the whole thing because again it's protective of your dignity of yourself when you're feeling like you can't succeed no matter what you do. Thank you so much that those are some really good red flags where we could reflect I could see how a lot of people could relate to these feelings that you brought up. Like when you were explaining it, I didn't realize I was burned out when I was a college wrestler. That makes a really big difference. Do you work with clients outside of the medical field? I do, actually. Um, Most of the people that I work with at this point are actually gamers. They're, I know, right? I And it's because this is my tribe. I, I've been a tabletop role-playing gamer forever. And so these, these are the people that speak my language. And so a lot of people, just word of mouth, tend to fall into my sphere that way. That's so beautiful. I love that. You're like a beacon. People are attracted to you. <laughs> what are the different stages of burnout? Um, Well, the World Health Organization doesn't actually classify it. I do because it helps me figure out, you know, how to help my clients. And how I stage them is based on the amount of damage you're doing to your body. If you are not yet burned out, if you are in a pre-burnout state that you're stressed out but you're not burned out, that would be stage one. Stage two You're burned out, but you're still managing. You haven't started doing actual physical damage to your body yet. By the time you hit stage three, because of the chemical buildup in your system of the different stress chemicals like cortisol and adrenaline and norepinephrine and whatnot, you're actually starting to look at diabetes and heart disease and yeah, actual medical problems that you may or may not be recovering from. And at that point, you're in clinical burnout, and we need to address that pretty darn quick. Wow, that brings a lot of perspective. A lot of us think that we're being, like, that we're doing something good by self-sacrificing. And 
can you touch upon that, like, to encourage our audience to make changes? Well, yeah, absolutely. There are so many people, and I do classify a specific type of burnout as giver's burnout, where you've given and given and given of yourself so much that your reserves are gone. And the problem is that um, when you do that, instead of it being a badge of honor, like so many people kind of wear it that way, I've worn myself out because I gave so much. What you've done is you've reduced your ability to help other people at that point. So if you're wearing yourself out because you want to be helpful, you're actually more helpful by keeping some of your reserves behind. And, um, God, I'm trying to think of her name. Um, there was a gal on Oprah that said something that really stayed with me. She said, if you give everything you have, to other people you're actually turning them into a thief because they've taken away more than you can handle and I was like wow that's really powerful in a sad but true way what is the number one complaint that burnout sufferers have and what would you recommend for it ah okay um the number one complaint that I hear constantly is I am too burned out to deal with my burnout I just don't have it and you know, the answer is kind of surprising. Um, my response is play, which is silly, but let me tell you why. When you're stressed out, your body dumps cortisol and adrenaline and norepinephrine and vasopressin into your system. And I mean, there's a reason for it. You need to have glucose in your system so that your body has fuel you need to have cortisol because that manages the energy you need to have adrenaline so that you're able to rapidly respond the problem is that those chemicals build up in your system over time so when you play play puts what we call them dose chemicals dopamine oxytocin serotonin and um Oh, good grief. What's the other one? The one with the runner's high. Sorry about that. My brain just stopped. Um, anyhow, uh, when you dump those dose chemicals into your system, your body can't hold on to cortisol, epinephrine, norepinephrine. So those stress chemicals start getting flushed out. It's kind of like, um, I don't know if you've heard it, but there's a story that goes... A grandfather told his grandson that there are two wolves at war in everyone. You've heard it. Yeah, the one that's uh, dark or evil or bad and the one that's light or good. And they're constantly at war. And the one that wins is the one you feed. So the idea is you feed the dose chemicals, those happy, warm and fuzzy chemicals into your system and your body can't hang on to the stress chemicals. And what's super interesting is that there's a growing body of research that something as simple as Candy Crush or Solitaire on your lunch break is enough to start reducing some of those chronic stress levels. So play really is the answer. Was gaming something that helped you with your burnout journey? It absolutely was, yeah. And... For me, what I found was that um, getting together with another person, cooperative play, 
And like I said, I'm a tabletop gamer, so I love getting together with people. But even just online, doing an online game or a Facebook game back and forth and supporting each other was enough to get enough of that oxytocin in there, which are all those warm and fuzzy bonding feelings, that it really helped. What are your top three strategies for managing or resolving workplace burnout without quitting? So my top three strategies are the number one is to discover where your friction points are because you really don't have anywhere to go until you know what your friction points are. So get those figured out, get them defined for yourself. The second is making a really solid determination within yourself, knowing yourself enough to know whether working to resolve these friction points is going to be in your best interest or not in your best interest. Because say you're an introvert and we put you in a customer facing, constantly getting input, constantly getting people coming at you all day long, asking you questions, expecting you to resolve their issues. You may or may not have enough workplace pull enough power in that workplace relationship to actually make a difference so in that situation you just may not have a job that's right for you but if you've got enough workplace pull and you're willing to do the uncomfortable negotiation that comes with making those changes then you can go ahead and make the changes and what I found is I've got about 30% eh, of the people that I work with have been able to actually negotiate themselves into keeping their job. So it is possible, but you've got to get really aware of what your situation is and where your power points are. What can you rely on to leverage to change your job to what you need it to be? I think that's such a great suggestion, because especially now with how uh, workspaces are critical right now, there's not a lot of workers, especially after the pandemic. I'm sure employers are more willing to negotiate to get the best work out of their um, employees instead of just having to do the interview process over and over again. You know, what I'm seeing is that some are and some aren't. And um, COVID actually has worked to employees' benefits to a certain extent because so many of the families discovered when they were at home that having one breadwinner stay at home and care for the children instead of paying for childcare, um, they were able to work with that. They were able to negotiate their budget around or whatever. So we've got people exiting the workforce. And when that happened, it really put more power in the employee's hands because you've got a lot more negotiation power um, because you're right. Your employer doesn't want to replace you if they don't have to. Would you like to give our matrix members some wisdom before our rapid fire run? I kind of feel like we mostly covered that for me. It's um, learn yourself, learn as much about yourself as you can. If you know that you are an extrovert, don't try and get a job that puts you in the basement, even if it pays you a lot. Because in the end, that money's not going to be worth your health. 
Amen. Dr. Holly, how can we find you if we want to work with you? Um, well, you can reach me at donewithburnout.com. That's pretty much going to give you all the updates on what we're doing at the moment. And excuse me while I geek out for a minute. We are super excited uh, because we took my five-step process from the book that I wrote and we gave it to game designers. And um, starting in January or possibly the first part of February, that's going to come out as a game. And we're super excited about it because people can actually, when you meet your goals, you get actual physical pins or actual physical coins that come to you in the mail. So you've got stuff that you can hold in your hand and show and say, look, I did this. And, it, you know, just to keep whatever motivation and fun we can. And so we're super excited about that. And we're documenting all of our progress as we go on donewithburnout.com. So that's probably the best place to find us if you want to know all about what we're doing. Otherwise, um, any of the socials, look at burnoutdrholly.com or burnoutdrholly and you'll find me. So Facebook, Insta, all of those. Thank you so much and congratulations. That's going to be a huge thing. Thanks so much. So here's our rapid fire. Here are three fun questions. Which of the continents have you been to? I have been to North America, South America, and I don't know if it counts because Canada's pretty much still North America. <laughs> have you ever walked out of a cinema without finishing a movie? And if so, what movie? Um, I have actually three movies and all for the same reason. <laughs> Um, I can't handle like super violent movies. They break my heart. And so I have to leave. So I walked out of Kill Bill. <laughs> I walked out of <laughs> Robocop. Yeah, there are just some of them that I just, I can't take the violence. So I just have to go. I understand that completely. What has been the most severe weather you've ever experienced? Uh, probably Hurricane Ian. Were you in Can Canada? Yeah, I'm in Florida, so it was entertaining for us. It would would have been a little less entertaining if the dog hadn't broken the back door and gone out into it, but he did, so. That sounds like an adventure. It was. <laughs> I'm happy you guys are okay. <laughs> Wet but fine, yeah. Dr. Holly and her team has taken five-step burnout recovery process from the book that she wrote and made it into a game. Keep in tuned and make sure to bookmark her website so when it comes out, you could be the first one to try it. I'll, Dr. Holly's website will be in the description below, donewithburnout.com. All feedback is welcome and helps us serve our fellow Matrix members. To stay up to date with our Matrix mentors and what we have in store for you, bookmark our website and subscribe to our podcast and YouTube channel. It was great to have you with us, Dr. Holly. Thank you so much for your wisdom today. Thanks for inviting me.